Welcome to First Generation Burden, a podcast dedicated to immigrants in the creative community. My name is Rich Tu and I'm your host. This is the season eight finale. We did 12 episodes, y'all. It's absolutely crazy. 100 episodes is almost there. We're at 82. We were so close. And we have an awesome episode for you. Today we have Chef Alvin Kailan, the founder of the gourmet breakfast brand Eggslet, with locations all over the world. And also he's the host of The Burger Show on First We Feast. Uh, and I've been wanting to talk to Alvin for a while, and it's great to have him on the pod today. We talk about his early days uh, when he left his job to start a food truck, um, which started him on his meteoric rise as a food personality, and also how he's become a voice for Filipino cuisine in the food space. And also, as a first-generation Filipino, this one's very special to me, so I'm going to say less right now. And without further ado, here's our conversation with Alvin Kailong. All right, yo. Well, we are literally in it. Chef Alvin Kailan, welcome to First Generation Bird. And I'm excited to talk to you today. <laughs> yo, yo. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I'm stoked for a couple of reasons. Well, one, you're the first uh, Filipino I've had on this season. I mean, Filipinos are always on, but uh, for yeah. this season, you know, you're rounding out the season finale. So that's amazing. But also, uh, you've had such a wild trajectory as a chef a food truck icon turned restaurateur <laughs> to host oh, uh, on First We Feast with the Burger Show to even author uh, with my homegirl Ali Cuerdo for Amboy, Recipes from a Filipino-American Dream. Yes. Yeah, so I would love to talk about all of it and, you know, really uh, your your career trajectory, your inspiration. So let's just start with uh, with the beginning. So just tell us a little bit about who you are and where you're from. Um, I'm Alvin Kailan, uh, born and raised uh, Los Angelino, um, you know, Filipino American. Uh, my parents uh, came here in the late 70s. Um, <clears throat> my mom came here the traditional route, got petitioned, and my dad uh, got here, you know, by jumping a ship um, and then just, you know, hiding for a while. So, that's the origins of who I am and where I came from. My, my parents are, they all left obviously because of the, the Marcos regime, which is, which is back, but you know, we, you know, we have, we have high hopes. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually kind of curious to hear about what the energy was like out there with, with Marcos, the remix going on. My parents left, my, a lot of family left during the regime. The last time I was in the Philippines, it was like deep, deep, deep Tutarte zone, right? Like it was 2018 um we we witnessed some crazy shit with the cops shooting at people right um and then this time it was like i was in a whole other country like it was like there was like everyone was out you know obviously it's christmas time in the philippines so everybody was super happy um i didn't see as many police officers as i usually do um and you know what to be honest with you i think that like it's just kind of like a uh, it was like a breath of fresh air. That's kind of like the vibe I got from everybody else was like, you know, you know, like, yeah, this dude's dad was a tyrant, but you know, we're, we're safe. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's so different, different era. It was definitely mad different. And, you know, it's like, it depends on who you talk to. Like you ask like my aunts and uncles and, and they're like, you know, when Dutarte was the president, like, you know, your cousins could play on the streets. Right, and they they weren't able to do that before, and I was just like, "Wow, that's wild!" And you know what's funny is like you could actually see the streets 
in the Philippines and like it's very much more like vibrant and happy as opposed to like everyone's in a rush. I mean, I'm sure you know this. Like everyone's like always in a rush in the Philippines to like either get home or like go somewhere. Right. It, it felt a little bit more like laissez-faire uh, when I was <laughs> yeah. there. It was, just, it was weird. I just don't I, like. I've never seen the Philippines like that in my life, and I, I'm glad I got to experience it uh, in in that way because it was pretty fun. Wow, that's so interesting. Like last time I was in the PI, it was pre-pandemic. I think 2019, but they yeah, got deep Tutarte time, and yeah, and, and it's interesting the way that foreign leaders are either loved or vilified here in the United States, right? Because yeah. the, the image that Duterte got was not a good one. I think for, yeah. for some justifiable reasons, right? But I mean, he what, was homies with Trump. So I mean, that, uh, that, 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 that kind of did him in. <laughs> exactly. Especially in the court of like American public opinion. But then when yeah. I was out there, I was just like, you know, sometimes you just test the waters of like, oh, what's, what's everyone's politically sometimes, you know? Um, yeah. And, uh, I'm like, yeah, so Duterte and people will be like, yeah, like, it's kind of cool. I'm like, oh, interesting. Yeah, it was like a trip. Yeah. yeah but asking people back then, they were like, you actually kind of like him. And I'm like, what? That's crazy. <laughs> I know. Yeah, because I guess it's we're coming in from a space where post Obama and then it was Trump. I was like, Shit, yeah, <laughs> what is this? And they're yeah, yeah at home. It's more like we want to feel safe in these streets. For real. Yeah. And I was like, should I smuggle in gummies or will I get shot? <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh my God. Right. Seriously. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, like, I was like bugging out when I was out there. I was like, yo, like, you know, can't, like, I don't even know if I can eat these gummies. If I, like, if I am eating <laughs> these gummies, like, will I get shot? Like, <laughs> legit. It was a wild time. But, you know, it, you know, so yeah, I mean, like, like coming, coming to the Philippines now, I mean, I didn't feel any of that. I think, I think it was just like, like, it was like a little bit like on a simmer. It wasn't like too politically. It was just like, no one was really trying to bother about it right now. It's like a new regime. Um, they haven't been able to do anything crazy yet. So right. it was actually a golden, a golden period to be in the Philippines for sure. Uh, when you go back home, are you treated like a, like a icon? You must be right. You must be treated so well. Or do they expect you just like, Hey, uh, uh, Tito Alvin, buy me breakfast. Dude, it's weird. Like, I didn't really, I, I, I honestly didn't think that I was actually, I had any fans out there, to be honest. Um, but then literally the day we arrived, um, I had, like, dinner with, like, some celebrity chefs over there um, and, like, a couple of politicians and, like, uh, they posted me. And, like, once they posted me, man, like, literally everywhere I went, I felt like people knew who I was. And I don't know if it was because of like the pandemic and people binge watching the burger show, or if it was cause like these people who were posting me the, you know, the, 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 the night before, but it was like, it was wild because like, I've never experienced such like a magnitude of like, uh, like fandom, um, you know, it was like worse than America. <laughs> I wow. felt like it's like, in LA, it's like, you know, it's it's pretty prevalent because I'm an LA local and like people love me out here. Like I've been in a part of like um, the restaurant scene for like the last 12 years. So um, it became like somewhat of a household name in LA, but in, in the Philippines, it was just a trip, bro. Like I, I like really wasn't expecting like having to hide at the mall. 
Damn. Dude, it was wild, bro. It was wild. Is it the kind of thing where just to go from like point A to B, it's just like the, the little hops, like the the tiny walk. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 like it, like obviously, like you know what my my main purpose of that trip was to go eat at like all the new restaurants over there. Okay. And 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 it's like almost like I was like going to my demographic. It was like, you know what I mean? Like as soon as I would get out of the car, people would be like, "Oh, I know who this guy is. Let's take pictures." Um, and then to the point where it's like it's it's wild because you know like in the Philippines, like people are very like respectful. Uh, and like when you're sitting down at the table, you can hear them whispering, like like other tables whispering, and you're just like, dude, like those it was like the wildest thing. Cause like you, I wouldn't have thought in a million years it was gonna be like that. And I thought mm-hmm. it was just gonna be more like, you know, chill. But obviously, I'm like bigger than everybody, <laughs> like size wise, <laughs> and like and like you know, like we're surrounded by like all these people, so they 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 kind of made it a big deal. Like right. even if like like even if you're like not like a celebrity chef or whatever so to speak like even if you're just from america and you roll with all your cousins yeah like, people know you're like a big deal you know what I yeah, mean? yeah. Like, in, in the philippines so it's like every time you go to the bathroom you're with like 16 people trying to protect you it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just a different vibe oh i guess that makes a lot of sense i guess you you would have to roll with an entourage like how could you not though yeah i, I mean i definitely had to i mean i speak the language and stuff like that but yeah like I just I'm not familiar with where I'm at. Like I like I had no idea like what part of the Philippines I was at at, at like certain times. Yeah, damn. So yeah, it was that's, wild. It was a good that's time. wild, man. I can <laughs> I love hearing those uh, those stories and also you know kind of seeing you seeing you win out there. I, I'd love to hear a little bit about your early days. Something that you know, okay. knowing your story, especially like you know with your fans, you speak a lot about um, uh, breaking through a white dominated cuisine world i think you were able yeah you were able to do that like in in a big way with egg slut i'd love to hear about how you left a a job to to found your own food truck that ended up putting on this crazy trajectory yeah i mean i mean i I would you know growing up i was more of like uh like i was a street kid you know my parents were working all the time and um, you know, the, the technically why, why I started to cook was because I had to fend for myself, um, after school and all that stuff. So, uh, it started off, you know, being that dude that everyone like would count on to like make snacks for like the homies, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when I was younger, I was like that dude who like my mom, my mom and dad would like overcompensate because they were never home. So they would just buy a ton of stuff from Costco. And like yeah. I'd be like that dude, be like, "Yo, come over! I got like hot wings and shit." And like I'll, 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 <laughs> that <laughs> I'll Costco make, you know, energy. I, yeah, yeah. I grew up in a Mexican, uh, a Mexican neighborhood, and so like everything was a quesadilla and everything was like tacos and stuff like that. So, like that's kind of like what sparked um, my interest in food. Uh, but you know, I'm Filipino, so my parents like really stressed education, like like heavy. Um, so, uh, after high school, um, I did the college thing for them. You know, I really wanted to like make them feel like, you know, I was like being obedient and, and, and like really like giving them, I guess, ROI, so to speak, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and so I finished college, regular college. We got your ass here. Therefore. Yeah. 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 They're like, yeah. Like, <laughs> 
we yeah they're like you know we we moved to america so that we can have a better life so show us the better life right. you know and it's like w- were you born here or were you born in no i was born in la yeah i was born in la i was gotcha. yeah born and raised but i did go back to the philippines for like three years when i was like like two three years old mm-hmm. and then i was i lived there for like two or three years because my mom and dad like were really struggling and they wanted to buy a house so they saved all their money and they sent they sent me to live in manila with my with my grandma uh, that's why I actually learned Tagalog before I learned English. So um, I kind of speak it now. Like I, I speak it better when I'm drunk, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I can't, like, like you can't fool me. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I got to that point where like, you can't fool me with the, with the Tagalog. So like, um, you know, I, I yeah, I, I was like straight up Filipino till I was like five years old. And then I, I moved, um, moved back to America. My parents bought a house out in East LA and uh yeah that that's where like my weird you know like i grew up like pretty much in like the like the cholo neighborhoods of of la um you know i was like my uniform was like gray gray dickies khaki dickies white t-shirt slick back hair um like that was like that was like the uniform hell yeah um and then yeah so yeah, I, I lived through that. My parents did, they were overprotective of me um, because I did, they did, they were aware of like what neighborhood we were living in. Um, and so like they, they made me get a job as a dishwasher at a really young age. Um, my mom's like mega Catholic. She's like, same. I mean, she, she, my mom works for the Catholic church. So she, she gave, she got me a job as a dishwasher at a, at a Catholic convent when I was 15. So, and, and like, instead of, like, me being in the streets with the homies, like, three or four days out of the week, I was washing dishes at, at a convent. Yeah. And that's kind of how I stayed out of trouble, which, I mean, like, it worked. It worked in a sense because, like, I, I started making money and, like, I felt like having money in my pocket was a lot cooler than, like, hanging out on the streets and, 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 and really just wasting time. For sure. So, yeah. So, yeah, the ROI kicked in after college, you know. I got a really good job um, as an account executive uh, for a construction company. So like my main job was just to go out and find uh, work for the company. And like, you know, we were like signing at the time. It was like, like after nine 11, like right after nine 11. And um, you know, like we were bailing out banks. Mm-hmm. And so like, it was like hang, low hanging fruit. Like I'd go like to like a, a chase bank and I'd be like, Yo, if you guys ever need like interior renovations, blah blah blah. Here's my card. The next thing you know, it's like we're getting like a half a million dollar job, like changing carpets and and all that stuff. <clears throat> so, like personally, as like someone who lived through like nine eleven, I I like hated my job because yeah, I realized like we were just a country of wasting money, and um, all I could think about every day was like what recipe I was gonna pull off the internet. You know, back then it's like Google Maps or Yahoo Maps where you would print out the MapQuest or whatever. Oh, yeah. I've gone cross country with like MapQuest, like just holding like a piece of paper. It's like it was so precious <laughs> back then. Yeah. Like and then back then it was the same thing for recipes. Right. So like you would go, you would like it didn't even it was, like never friendly. It was just like print, like click here to print recipe. Like there was like no choice. Like you can just like screen grab back then. It was just like, all right, print. So like I would literally like waste all the paper in my office, like just printing out recipes and stuff like that. So I go home and I would cook 
I just realized like, yo, man, I like, I, I, I just want to, I want to do this. Like I want to cook like for a living. So I literally packed up my bags, didn't tell my mom, didn't tell my dad. The only person who knew that I was like going to go to culinary school was like my, my brother, my little brother. And, um, I moved to Portland, Oregon. Right. Um, and this is like, yeah, like 2007. Oh, this is before Portland was really Portland. Yeah, this was like when Portland was really weird. Like it was super like, weird, right? Yeah, like it was like like it'd be cool like if like you dressed gothic and like you rode bicycles and like like that was like the thing out there, right? Oh, yeah, it was like all top hats and like really spindly mustaches. Yeah, like the crazy mustaches. Um, yeah, so that like that that was the time I moved out there, and at the time it was like a really crazy food revolution because you know in LA it wasn't really popping. It was like LA was like steak sushi like that type of stuff and then in portland they were making like farm to table stuff and i know like it sounds like so cliche now like 20 years later but like <clears throat> i was really intrigued with that was so new so new back yeah planting a carrot pulling it out of the ground and like cooking it and like that was like like blew my mind so i went i went out there and also it was like mad affordable like to live out there um with the money that i had saved up and um yeah, I got like some severance pay, some hush money from the company I was working with. Um, <laughs> so I moved. I, t- I literally took advantage of it. And the next thing you know, I'm like working for the best restaurants in the city for free. Like I like I, I like was like I knew what it took. I had money in my pocket. I knew that I wasn't going to get into the restaurants by like asking for a salary because restaurants operate in such like a like crazy margins that there was like no way this kid from LA would come in here and demand money and like have zero experience. So <clears throat> I literally worked for free um, for like three years, bro. Like during culinary school, um, throughout, throughout like my first few years as a chef, I would work daytime as a catering chef for a hotel just to get paid and have like health insurance. And then at night I'd work at the top restaurants for free. And this is all in Portland. It's all Portland, Oregon. And then, you know, the 08 market crash, uh, fine dining died, right? And um, so I started working at like a charcuterie place, started making like just like salamis and and hams and stuff like that. Like you really had to find your place in the culinary world after, like, after that because it's like there's no way you're working at a French restaurant and making money anymore. Like no one in Portland is spending money at this time. Right. So I started to like crave, like, ambi- like my ambition started to take over. And I was like, man, I'm starting to get really good at this. Like I need to like move on. So um, 2010, I moved out to Napa. And then I started working for Thomas Keller, um, living on couches <laughs> for real. Like it was just like the worst shit. Like I, I like at it now and like, I owe so many people because like they literally like trust, like they believed in me because, we, you know, when you, back then it was like, you know, minimum wage was so cheap. Everyone, everyone was getting paid like nothing. So we were more like a band of brothers than we were like competitors. <sighs> so I got to learn a lot during that time. And then like, I made my way back to LA and, uh, and like, I was like a hired hand. Like I was like an assassin pretty much. Like, like if, like, if like a Friday night, someone called off, they would yeah. call me and I would come in and work at like the best restaurants in Los Angeles. Oh, really? Yeah, it was like a really cool gig. Do you think that was because you had hit a level of notoriety and you were 
in the kitchen you could you could sit on any line like what what were the yeah. attributes yeah i got to the point where like dude i could cook any food prep anything like um like i guess they call it a tornot or like like a guy who could do everything mm. uh and um i wanted like i didn't want to work for a restaurant by itself until i could like start it like open it with a chef um like i need the the next thing that i needed to learn as a cook was how to open a place because i've already worked at established places and i know how that works i know how to make it run i just don't know how to start up right is and is that the journey of an operator yeah that's because i knew i was like about to turn 30 um i was like i was like 27 no 28 and i was like like i i need to like make a little bit more cash <laughs> like you know what i mean you know like i like the finer things in life i, lo- I love sneakers yeah. you know I, I like i love i love eating out i love, like i love going to restaurants and like you know like you know at, on a cook salary on a sous chef salary it's like it was impossible so i started to like right. all right well you know, I want to, I want to do more. I want to own my own place. I need to learn how to open a restaurant. So I, I actually got a job. Um, uh, we opened this Pan-Asian restaurant in Manhattan beach. And um, I worked like a whole like year there thinking, you know, I'm pretty much running this place now. I'm going to start, I'm going to start my own pop-up. Mm-hmm. So I got, I like, I had a, I had a 2008, Yukon Denali uh, at the time, like just like living way beyond my means. And I was like, man, like I can't afford this car no more. I can't afford the gas. So I I sold it, took that money plus the $13,000 I had in my bank account and I put it into a food truck. Um, And uh, I I came up with a concept about eggs because there's like, like all these third wave coffee places were opening in LA and there was no like gourmet food to like match with it. So I opened my, I opened egg slot. Yeah. Literally had the name on a Friday and I put it on the truck by Monday morning and then we hit the road by that, that Friday. So like in a week I was able to flip a truck from a, a 1986 Chevy Stepside delivery van um, that was already decked out as a, as a kitchen. And I had it from in one week, I had it ready to make money. And um, I'm not going to say that it was like success off the bat. Cause I was only making money off of my friends for like the first month, but like we got reviewed within like six months of having the food truck. I got reviewed by, by Ruth Reichel was like huge New York uh, food critic. And once that review popped off, literally like, the trajectory of the truck just took off. So what what was once like you cruise up, you get a sandwich, like a five minute transaction turned into a 45 minute line, an hour line. And then arguably like we were like one of the first food places in the like the Los Angeles Arts District, which is now Los Angeles Arts District. Um, and we had like Ferraris pulling up, eating on the sidewalk, <laughs> like egg sandwiches. That's so crazy. Yeah it, yeah, it was like a wild, it was like a wild thing. Yeah, so needless to say, I like quit my job. <laughs> like, I no longer work for like another chef. And uh, since then, it's been a, a solid grind. Um, two years after the food truck, we opened our first brick and mortar restaurant in Grand Central Market in downtown. 
Um, and that opened to like crazy reviews. We got like top 50 restaurants, Bon Appetit that year. Uh, I won like uh, multiple like upcoming chef awards that year. And <clears throat> literally I got tired of it. <laughs> like, yeah. like I was like, what do you mean you got tired of it? Tired of, oh, tired of, you, know, yeah. you wanted to do something else, your ambition. I wanted, yeah, I wanted to do something else. So. Can I ask, like, when, when you opened the yeah. truck, though, like, were you in that, was your headspace, like, I need to do something else, or I only have, I don't have any options, and this is the only option? Like, what was your level of ambition to hustle to even desperation? Like, where were you at? I, I, it was very, I was very, like, I was very desperate. Like, I, like, I was barely making rent at the time, you know. I was spending most of my hours in traffic. Um, I lived in East LA and I was working in Manhattan Beach, which is like, you know, like a 40 mile commute every day. Right. And, um, and you know, I, you know, at the time I was like, again, like I, I felt like I had this chip on my shoulder where I was like, yo, like I deserve more, you know, like I deserve more. I've made a lot of these chefs, a lot of money. Yeah. All of these dudes like were, were telling me I would make it to be like, you know, chef de cuisine, which is like pretty much second in command. And none of them ever like, no, none of them ever like, you know, committed to that. And none of them ever made me a chef de cuisine. I was more of like the work meal, you know? And it was like, I, I just, I felt it in my bones that it was time. Um, and the, the, I think the, like the last straw was like, uh, in any restaurant or in any business, I'm sure, like you try to hire within, you try to hire within that band of the band, like that band of warriors that you, like you are in the trenches with every day. And, um, my chef ended up hiring someone outside mm. and gave him a higher, <laughs> a higher position than I did. And I was like, that was it. Right. I was you like, layers. yeah, I'm never going to. I'm never going to get to the point where I want to in this business. Um, and, you know, at the time it was a very like white dominated industry, like chefs, like in, in 2010, 2011, when you think of like who was the hot chefs then and be like Tyler Florence, you know, um, Bobby Flay, like those dudes, Guy Fieri was like still young at that time, <laughs> but they were all like, you didn't really see, a chef oh well i mean david chang david chang actually was like popping oh, yeah. off around that time yeah so roy Choi yeah, was making a name for himself at the time too yeah yeah roy Choi, roy Choi, david chang like those dudes were actually the ones that pushed me over the edge like they're the ones that are like yo if these dudes could do it like i could do it you know right. like i'm gonna i'm gonna make a run for it and like dude like literally roy Choi was like he became like my like idol like yeah. I would like follow him around like right. till this day, whatever I see, like whenever we link up, he's always just like, I remember when you just follow me around, I'm like, hell yeah, you had the crowds, bro. Like, I'm, of course I'm following you, right. you know? And they're like millennial Asian dudes who are, who are kind of doing something different that hadn't really been seen for cuisine or food personalities. Yeah, it was, it, it was, a, it was a good time. And like, you know, like the food truck era, I mean, I don't talk about it enough because it was a, it was a like a crazy phenomenon that was happening in LA where like people were like I was like getting like cops called on me by re restaurants because they didn't want me <laughs> parking anywhere near them. You know right. what I mean? Like restaurants were scared of dudes on the truck because we can literally steal all of their clientele and drive away. <laughs> it was like it was a really wild time. Um and uh 
yeah, man, like, dude, that that really was like the the jump off point where we were like, where we're culinary powerhouses now in the city. Like, we have a two hour line on a food truck, and we're singing like eggs. So we like, I felt like finally justified. Right. Again, on the topic of ROI, like <clears throat> on my personal ROI, not my parents anymore, but like on my own, like like blood, sweat, and tears. I felt like I literally one day was driving the food truck from like Compton. That's where we parked it. Um, it was like four in the morning and I was driving the the food truck from Compton down to West Hollywood. And I was just, bro, I just start, bro, I like start crying. I was just like, dude, like I finally did it. Like, I know that when I pull up to this spot in West Hollywood, there's going to be like 17 people waiting in line. And that 17 will turn into a hundred in like an hour. And like that feeling like justified all of the hard work that I did culinary, like all the free work that I mentioned, yeah, all of that stuff. Like it, like it, like it, like I knew it because people like, like, like in the neighborhood that I grew up in, like if you told them, yo, I'm sleeping on a couch and I'm working for free. Like they would just be like, yo, you're a sucker. Like, you know what I mean? Like they, they, right. like that, that was like the reception that I had from like friends growing up was like, you're sacrificing too much or too nice. But at right. the end of the day, like, because it's I not like you're an actor. That, like if you said you were an actor and people yeah. and sleep on couches, we're like, okay, I kind of understand the journey. Kind yeah, of, but to sorta. be a cook, yeah. yeah, like to be a cook, like that's like unheard of. Especially if like I had other homies that were like, you know, in the culinary game that were like working for like, you know, like the Marriott and like the Western Bonaventure. Like they were like making like the hotel bread, right? And like, and that's a, that's a lot. That's like a completely different structure. Like I was like chef, like. I only wanted to work for like top chefs and like in order to work for top chefs, like you had to, to sacrifice the way, the way I did. And, and, and honestly, like I, I felt like justified. Yeah. And then we, then when we, when we opened the, when we opened the, the first restaurant in grand central market, I was like, yeah, this is it. Like I know for sure I'm going to calculate every move that I make from here on out. Yeah. Like, I stopped getting super drunk at bars. I started like acting like, you know, like as if I had like so much more to live for. Yeah. And like I turned it on and that was when I started promoting Filipino food. Mm. Do you, do you think that system's broken inherently or is that the way the system is? Does that question make sense? I, in, in like in, in like in the sense like of, of like coming up in the restaurant world? Yeah, like, does it have to be so self-sacrificial? And even, you know, like, re it's, reading... It's completely different now. Like, yeah. I can't even... Like, even if, like, I get, like, requests for, like, interns or, like, apprentices, like, literally, like, on a weekly basis, someone will hit me up and, like, yo, I'm from Brazil, I'll work for free. Like, I can't even do that anymore. Like, the yeah, government right. won't even let me do that. And, like, you know, like, it, it's just... It's, like, it's very different now. Um... So I think that like, I, I, I always say it, I'm like the last of a dying breed. Mm -hmm. um, Cause there's like, like kids now, the grind is different. You know, like you can, you can literally think that you want to be a chef and then go on TikTok, <laughs> make a dish, go viral and create an empire off of it. Like that, that's kind of like, where we're at now where it's like you know like being a hard like you being like a like a hard-nosed hard knock chef now is like a lot more rare than 
you know, David Beckham's kid who like is a chef, you know, <laughs> like, Oh, is no, he? I didn't know that. that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that, yeah. He, he is because he's a, he's a, he's like a internet guy. Like he's like right. one of those dudes. He got like millions of followers and, um, you know, his dad calls him chef. So he's, he's a, a Nepo chef. baby. <laughs> yeah. He's a chef. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Uh, and like no knock on you know I have friends that are like celebrity yeah. internet stars and like I don't knock on that it's just a different world bro like right. yes and I, at the end of the day uh, ultimately to answer your question it's like yeah dude like it sucked and it's dead now but it's a it's a dying form of 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 being like a starving cook or artist yeah like that it's not that's not a, that's not a thing anymore like <clears throat> you know like the more and more I see memes and videos of like um well it's like i saw it the other day they were like yo like telling people that you haven't had a day off is not a flex yeah that doesn't do the same thing that it did five years ago yeah 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 it's not the same like back in the day i'd be like like i remember um i was in brooklyn and during a, a, a starchefs.com event which is like this big convention where like all the chefs from around the world come and uh, I was like 13 days in, dude. I was like fucking tired. And like, you could tell I was like haggard as hell. And Jose Andreas just got off of that, like Puerto, like I just saved Puerto Rico tour <laughs> um, during the hurricane. And like, he spoke before I did. And then the person after me was um, Albert Adria, which is Ferran Adria's brother who does El, they did El Bui, which is like the most profound avant-garde restaurant to ever exist in our generation and i had to speak in between the two and you're and you're no <laughs> sleep like, exhausted working nonstop. yeah exhausted I, that was when I, I had a restaurant in new york city and you know in new york it's like right. it's a different thing right in la we get away with like 60 70 people a night at the restaurant in new york we were like doing 500 people every single day morning noon night you gotta turn was, those tables grind. in New York. Yeah, yeah. You gotta make rent. Rent's you know too damn I mean? expensive like, out here. It's like the and, most expensive you know, city now. I think we're more expensive yeah. than San Francisco. Yeah, now. it's wild. It was like the like you know for me it was an ego thing for me to open in New York because I really wanted to prove to myself that as a chef you go there you do your thing. It's like you almost it's like your master's degree, right? Like you go there you 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 learn New York City. And, and the way the way hospitality is done, because I feel like New York City hospitality is like, it's it's the best. It's one of the best in the world, especially if you hold yourself in a high regard. Um, and so, I, you know, I, I did this speech about how Filipinos invented ceviche in front of all of these Spanish chefs. And I was like, I just like, like had a meltdown. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was just like, I was like, you know, I haven't slept in so long, but, and I just went off like on this like historic, like why the colonizers fucked everything up. Oh God. Oh yo, it was I love that. It, like it, it was bananas. Like people were like, shut the <laughs> fuck up. Alvin, dude, stop. Well, <laughs> like, can really go on I, like, though. I, yeah. I feel that. And I shout out to Spain. I love Spain. What up? But one, every time I visited yeah. Spain, I also felt like, oh, this is where my people got 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 <laughs> you know yes yes like as much as i yes. love the food shout out to like, ham literally you can go into my book 
Yeah, shout out to him. Shout out to one pot delicious stews that we learned from 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 Spain. Like literally, like if you go into my like cookbook collection, it's like yeah. half Spanish. Like because I like want to know where my totally. food came from. But I but that day, and again going back to these memes, it's like all the chefs like like at the end, like at the end of the the speech, I had two hundred and fifty plates of ceviche just all come out at the same time right which for us is called kini lao <clears throat> so i i had 250 plates of kini lao hit the hit the audience right i pretty much dropped the microphone and like chefs were just like like standing oh applauding me because like they understood where the yeah. fuck i was coming from it's like in order to become that guy who second headlines this conversation like this is what you have yeah. to go through and so, like, it almost got to the point where it was, like, other chefs were showing their sous chefs, like, yo, you see, like, how that guy looks? Like, that guy is a real chef. Like, he belongs, you know, to to tell us the way he told us. Like, he, it's, like it's allowed because he is still cooking food. Right, <laughs> you know? right. And so, and so, you know what I mean? Like, it was, like, kind of, like, it was, like, yes, it was a meltdown. But at the same time, it's kind of like everyone felt like that. Everyone in there was like, you know what? We all are tired and we all are. And so now I'm like looking at these memes and I'm like, dude, if I did that speech, it would be like, it would have been like Kanye at like that one, that, that one interview you did where he started crying about Kim oh. and how he's a good father. I was father like, not that. Shit, yeah. you know what I mean? Ooh, like, which one was that one? There's so many of them now. Uh, pre, pre yeah, like it would have yeah. been one of those. It wasn't, it would, there was no way in hell that in 2022, that speech would have been like endearing. It would have just been like, oh, you know, that, that dude needs oh my gosh. to chill. That's so <laughs> like, funny. Yeah. Like you know it's I mean? funny whenever I hear someone now like flex, like about their, about their sleep, sleepless hustle or like, oh yeah, I was like, uh, I've been grinding mm -hmm. for seven days, eight days straight or whatever. I was like, are you okay? Do, do you need something? <laughs> do, does someone need to? Yeah, yeah. someone needs to same. send you a Casper mattress so you can fall asleep or something. Yeah, and that, that's where I'm at too. Like where I'm like, I hear like my like I hear like my friends are like, yeah, man, I'm like, I'm I'm grinding too much, and I'm like, yo, man, like you know, maybe you should like drop the Rolex and hire a general manager and make your life a little easier. Legit, you know I mean? legit. Like, like I'm starting, I'm starting to like get to that point where like I took three weeks off to go to the Philippines. Unheard of. I haven't done that oh, wow. in years. So, so it was a, a definitely, definitely, definitely times have changed. Like that, that lifestyle, like the, the, the grind till you die type of, of mentality is not a, uh, yeah, exactly. Cool I think anymore. we're all realizing that life is too short or life is too long, really. Sometimes. <laughs> For real. Well, I, I'd, I'd love to hear about like, well, how, how do you make time? Cause you're also the host of the burger show and I'm a huge fan of that. Yeah. How do you get there? How do you go from. You obviously you're super charismatic. You you have like a huge personality. How does that land you a show on First We Feast? Oh, I, you know what? Actually, I think I was like a backup. Really? Yeah. So my friend Justin Bolas, he he's the director of the Burger Show. He's the creator of the Burger Show, and um, we met when I was a food truck, and he was like a like a like a young food writer at the time, and um, I think he was working for like LA Weekly or LA Times or something like that. And, so we had like a rapport. We, you know, we followed each other on Instagram and I started working with Bob's Burgers 
Like I started like Bob's Burgers, one of my favorite cartoons. Um, uh, Lauren Bouchard, the creator, became a really good friend of mine. So um, I started creating the burgers from the cartoon into real life. And I started doing like nationwide pop-ups. And so Justin finally gets this big time gig for First We Feast. And he's like, yo, Alvin, I'm, I'm throwing around this idea about this burger thing. We're trying to get this British dude to host it, but if he doesn't fall through, I really want you to like really try to like like make this happen. And I'm like, I was like, Justin, man, I don't do this. Like, like I'm not a TV guy. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm like a big personality. Yes, like in real life. Like, like if you come to my restaurant, I'll be like, I'll remember your name. I'll know what your stuff, like your regular orders are. Like, I, I'm like that guy in hospitality. But I'm not a like I never wanted to be a celebrity chef in that sense, right? And so he's just like, look, let's let's film one. And if you don't like it, we'll 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 turn it into like a rotating host situation. And so I did the first one, had a lot of fun because like I got to geek out, I got to like talk about the technicalities of cooking and how to make a, the perfect smash burger, which back then like no one was really smashing burgers back then. It was kind of like, uh, it, like it was right. like a new thing. So we, we wrapped that. And then the second one was like, all right, the second one is going to be with Adam Richmond. And I'm like, yo, Adam Richmond? Like, I fucking love that dude. Like me and my mom and dad used to watch him on Man vs. Food all the time. There's no way I'm not right. doing this show. So, so I met him up at Lure over in Soho. And uh, we we did like the like most ball on his burgers. <laughs> I just saw an episode that y'all did today. It was where y'all at Peter Luger's and also at Melon. Yeah, that was yeah. Like the second episode you yeah. did with Adam. Yeah, yeah, we did like classic yeah. New York burgers. That that was like that was like season like five, I think. Um, yeah, we we became really good friends. So like he became a regular on the show. Um, and uh, the by the third episode, I I found that guy andrew ray babish binging with babish and he wasn't binging with babish back then he was just like regular dude he probably had like maybe like five four hundred thousand followers or subscribers at the time but the dude has like 15 yeah. million now which is his like, his wow. forearms weren't as famous back then <laughs> yeah no no dude he lived on a five floor walk up in harlem like we we, we had to lug up like three huge cameras two roving cameras five we, yeah we had a whole 13-man production team going up and down the steps of this five-floor walk-up but on that day the first episode was released on on youtube and it became like the number one trending video that day and we like instantly hit a million fall uh, a million views within i think 24 hours so yeah so First few feasts was like, yo, like I, I don't care what you what you think, you're gonna host this show now. Yeah. And I'm like, well, well all I, right, cool. So now Yeah, no, know, I think it's I think it's amazing just because you know, just to see a Filipino face up there, you know, racking up views, racking up millions of views. Um yeah. and and I used to be yeah. at MTV for a few years and we worked on the the Bretman Rock show. Um um yeah. first season, second season, like my team designed like the whole package for it and all that stuff. And I and you talk about like Filipino cuisine on the burger show, which like kind of hits me in my feels, right? Like I remember seeing like um, when Bretman yeah. in his show, um, he talks Ilocano 
in like episodes five yeah. or six with his mom and i was like starting to like fucking cry while watching the sushi show i'm like jesus christ it's like hitting me in a certain way but then sometimes <laughs> when you talk about filipino cuisine and even when you did the the hot ones holiday special and you were and you yeah. uh 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 yeah I'll, I'll i'll always plug filipino culture in. Like, oh that that hits every that hits. chance i get i will do it's it. crazy like even, <laughs> yeah like we, we bring did... up the cheeses i was like yo i just got yeah baby bell cowbell cheeses for christmas like this christmas it's a thing so yeah specific. and it's wild because like it, like when i was like again I, I grew up in east la so like when i was growing up i thought i was alone you know like i thought i was alone like i was like why am i getting queso de bola for christmas like what am i gonna do with this and why is my name on this and then you start meeting other filipino americans like bro right. same here <laughs> like i i eat cheese sandwiches for like two months after christmas and i'm like damn like so now every chance I get, like, I, honestly, I feel like that's kind of like the way I've, I've like kind of uh, turned my whole like marketing um, campaign for Filipino food is just every platform I get, I'll, I'll talk about something Filipino because I'm not going to stop until like you're watching like the latest and greatest sitcom and they're sitting in their living room and they're eating lumpia yeah. and pancit. Like it, that's that's when I know like I'm gonna like maybe like pull back the reins a little bit on promoting Filipino food because our food is so good that like I just I don't know why it hasn't got to that point. And we're all we're one of the oldest right. Asian cultures in America. So it's like how the hell has have people barely found out about lumpia or a double like how are they barely fighting right. you know what i mean like I, I just i don't understand it and like and i honestly think it's because like our, the generation before us they, they're not really proud of it they're not really proud of our food they think it's just a, a mean of sub sustenance and like and 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 growing up you know knowing that there's a sizzler <laughs> at the end of every major like major like major accomplishment right. it's proof like we we, we didn't celebrate yeah. our food so i, I sometimes i when yeah, I wonder, point. you bring up a really good point, because I, th I think Filipino restaurants we're, are on the rise. I think that Filipino cuisine is still that the last frontier of Southeast Asian cuisine, but we haven't quite hit that yeah. that tipping point, like QSR space. Like, where is the Filipino QSR, like, fast food? Like, we have exactly. Jollibee, but Jollibee isn't Filipino cuisine. Jollibee is like a, a, a take on... That's they good. took out all the good yeah, Filipino food. Totally. <laughs> yeah, they took it out. They, yeah, like, I, like I used to tell people, like, yo, Jollibee used to have, like, corned beef and pani sauce sandwiches. Right. I'm like, what? I'm like, yeah, bro. Like, there was, like, mad Filipino things on there. And now it's, like, fried chicken, spaghetti. Maybe if you're lucky, there's that uh, right. Palabok. But I think that's only, like, in, like, in L.A. and in Yeah, yeah Palabok. I, I had Palabok for Christmas. That's so funny. Um, What? What? What is missing from that? What's what's the thing that that we need? Do, do we need to? Is is it a specific setup in the kitchen that we need to like figure out? What does that look like? What does that pipeline look like? Is it a cultural divide that we need to cross? Well, I think the biggest problem with our food is, for example, pad thai. When you when you order pad thai, you genuinely, genuinely, or generally know right. how it looks. Okay, so like the king of Thailand in like the 70s, as a part of their tourism, he standardized the way their food looked so that there wasn't any confusion. Like 
pad tie looks like this pad cu look like this you know you know whatever <clears throat> right it's like food washing or what do they call that like they're trying to clean up their their image a bit yeah and but in the philippines we won't ever do that we will never standardize filipino food my my adobo will look different from your adobo and the guy my filipino neighbor's adobo will look different from my adobo so there's therefore it's so hard for everyone else to understand what they're eating. Right. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, we've, we've had this argument for, you know, it's like another three hour argument whenever you talk to like Filipino food people, uh, historians and, and stuff like that. And on why we haven't really crossed over, but at the end of the day, um, I think it's just, we were not, you know, we're not a culture that like promotes our food as, as often as possible. Like I, I, I like get mad at my cousins because they would rather take a photo of a sprinkles mm. cupcake than like their mom's like tortang talong when like they, that's what they're eating for dinner, but they won't post the tortang talong. They'll post the fucking sprinkles cupcake, and I'm like, bro, like what's going on? Like why you know why is that so much yeah. cooler than posting Filipino food, right? And so I think that it starts with us as a community. Um, and, and which is why I'm always on my platform when it comes to Filipino food, or it's like, yo, take a picture of your Filipino food, man. Like, you know, like, you know how, like, it's trendy to take a, a photo of like your, your plate yeah. during Thanksgiving. It's like, yo, take a picture of it, like during like the baptism or whatever you're going to, you know, like just slowly promote it. Or, or like, I always urge people like, like especially non-filipinos where it's like look i know you cook at home and it's like you know you 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 thumb through recipes that you're going to cook through the week throw a filipino dish in there there's enough filipino cookbooks now where and websites where you could throw a filipino dish in there and i guarantee you it'll have five ingredients and it'll be super easy to make um but it'll be a part of the con like it'll be a part of the conversation like it'll like teach younger kids who are not filipino to to appreciate filipino food so well that way when when we open our filipino restaurants we'll we're cultivating our clientele yeah. as well so they'll know like oh i'm gonna eat filipino food i know what filipino food is right now we're opening a bunch of filipino restaurants but no one knows the food really and then we're closing in like a year or two and it's like well we as a community need to like really right. push filipino food because if not like it's really just we're we're gonna lose our that that market just gonna get smaller and smaller and right. smaller and smaller. Do, because... do you think that like Filipino celebrities? I'm thinking like her, Olivia Rodrigo, yeah. um, you know, yeah, everyone else <laughs> like um, like Haley Steinfeld, you know, like people that rep that rep yeah. the culture, um, Saweetie. Like, do they need to get involved? Like, what's the what is the community? I mean, her and Saweetie they do. do a great they do. job. Like. They're the outliers. They do a great job of promoting Filipino food. They're always eating Filipino food on their stories. Um, I mean, but yeah, though, I mean, again, like, you know, we have, we have a lot of Filipinos out there um, and they're huge, man. Like Olivia Rodrigo, um, you know, there's just a ton. There's a ton right. of us, right? Like, and, and I do, I do feel like they, 
they are who they are like as a personality first before they are a Filipino yeah. person. And I think that like for me and the reason why I am who I am, it's like I'm Filipino yeah. first, like before anything else. Is that something um, that you landed and on? And I'm like super proud later? of it. Or or is that something that you were always I think I think I've always been that kid in the I was always that kid in the in the playground that I had to like tell people who I was. You know, like my whole life they called me Chino. And I'm like, I always had to tell people, I hated it. I was like, yo, I'm not Chinese, bro. Like, I'm Filipino. Like, call, you know, know that I'm Filipino. And by, you know, like, by the time I was like 13, people knew who I was. They knew, you know, what time it is. Like, I'm a Filipino dude. That's who I am. So um, I think that's why I've always had that as a mentality, as a mantra, which is Filipino first, because I always had to like explain who I was. Totally. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, I do. But I do believe that the, our celebrity brothers and sisters and and friends need to like step it up a little. Yo, bit. hell yeah! <laughs> um, what's next for the Burger Show? Are you going to do another season? You going back for more? Um, uh, you know we're we're so you know it's 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 like hard to talk about, but um, I I do believe we have one more in store. Um, and it'll be like the the tenth wow. go around. Um. Yeah. So, whew, yeah, it's, man, a lot of work. it's kind of crazy. Like I, I love the, bur- yeah, I love the burger show. I love, I've become like the burger guru in a sense. Um, and I love, I love that, uh, aspect of my, of my career and I would love to keep it going, but I also like, don't want to confide in like, and I don't want to like succumb to right. clickbait. So like I, I, I think that we started off the show <clears throat> doing like great historical burger knowledge to like last last season I made like a burger from like Stranger Things and it was like or like a like a stunt burger. I probably would have never Yeah, I would never put it on a menu on Right. You know what I mean? Like and those are just like personal things that like I've expressed with like the producers and and the, and and obviously Justin Justin like the director he's like one of my really good friends but you know we're we are now BuzzFeed so yeah what do you does it we'll see do you have a different sense of obligation to your craft when you're let's say commenting on on other people's food other people's product does that question make sense because sometimes mm-hmm. I think about with this podcast because you know. I'm a creative and I'm a designer at heart, my <clears throat> core, right? But then um, right. when I talk to other designers, creatives, or people that kind of do what I do, but like, you know, a one one step off to the side or something like a lateral, I think um, I feel a different sense of beholdenness to uplifting my craft. Do you get that same sense? Right. Oh, yeah, all, all day. Because, you know, like, I have to critique food and like um, in order to like be able to like do what I do right. It's like, I have to be opinionated right. on why I think a burger is the best burger. Like you can't just call a burger the best burger. Right. So, but you know, I go about it as in like, <clears throat> you know, in Italy, there's like a road and on that road, there's like 15 trattorias and each 15 of those trattorias have been there for over 50 years and they all were able to like survive and it's because each place is, was able to do one pasta one way 
their own way. And so that's kind of how I approach, you know, critiquing burgers. Um, and I, and I only, and to be honest with you, I never try to speak on burgers that are new, like the newer burger restaurants, because, um, I don't think it's fair for me to like, cause it, it, the a restaurants are constantly evolving mm-hmm. thing. And like, you know, what you do year one won't exactly be what you do year three. And what you do in year three is probably what's going to buy you the next 50 years. Right. So I like to, I like to critique older burgers um, that's been around for a while. And, um, and obviously like chains, like I'm like, I'm down for the Shake Shack in and out debate <laughs> and I'll, I'll forever ride on the, the in and out <laughs> train. Gotta be um, loyal. And, and, you know, to be, and to be and to be honest with you, like nowadays, I'm like getting a little more political mm. about burgers. What like, does that mean? Like I've been on this like anti. I'm getting out. So Martin's potato roll is like the premier bun of the East Coast. Like everyone and their moms, Shake Shack, everybody uses um, uh, Martin's potato roll. But Martin's potato roll uh, decided to back. Um, oh, okay. A governor. Uh, yeah. Uh, a. a, a a politician um obviously won't be able to say names um but who was very heavy on the alt-right very heavy on the anti-abortion very heavy on you know like basically taking rights away from women and 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 martin's potato roll decided to bankroll his entire uh uh campaign and when that happened, I got really political and I started posting about it. And I'm like, yo, man, like, how the fuck are we like supporting this, this type of brand? And, and like, you know, you're, you're seeing like female chefs. Using yeah. It. <laughs> you're yeah. like, yo, let's talk about this. Let me, let me shoot you some information, yada, yada, yada. So I've, 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 I've gotten to that point where like, I'll, t- I'll try to take down like the juggernaut if if you will if when it comes to like what's right or wrong um but other than that like i wouldn't i, I cannot ever uh harshly critique a, a newer burger restaurant or a burger chef because yeah i've been there <laughs> you know and um if i wasn't given that chance to grow right. and learn like if i was able to just like steal that thunder um you know, like I, I feel like sometimes like restaurant critics are like Thanos, you know, like they're like <laughs> Yeah. Seriously, like or even celebrity yeah. chefs, you know what I mean? Like if David Chang says like fuck like fuck in and out, like no one That's would so true. It, like, it, it, it would, just yeah. is not like they have like 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 celebrity chefs or, or respectable chefs ha- have a, a crazy power. Like we have a crazy power and and I, I I feel it sometimes, like when I say something on the burger show, and I like immediately mm. regret it. Literally, it influences people, and like it influences like the way they buy things, the way they cook things. Like if I say like, you can never ever cook a burger medium. Like literally, there'll be like Reddit forums saying like, if you cook burgers over medium, you're a fucking asshole. Alvin Kylon said so. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. That shit's that 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 power is crazy because at the same time it's like you gotta like you gotta like respect people's dietary yeah. restrictions. Not everyone eats like, the same. You know what I mean? Yeah, not everyone eats the same. Like right. even culturally, right? Although like, it is weird. So I've heard like, you talk I'm, about um, growing up and your parents 
eating well done steaks, burgers, because I had the same thing. Yeah. Where I just it's just what I knew until one day someone told me to do yeah. do it differently. I was like, oh, my God, why was I doing it this way for so long? Like, why is that? I have no idea. Yeah. The the first time I ever ate a medium rare steak, I was like 18 years old, 17 years oh, old. Me too. That's so and weird. Like, I literally, I heard I heard like angels singing <laughs> and like the like like birds yeah. chirping. It was like a whole new level of <laughs> like level up. Like, and I like I told my mom I was like, yo, like why do we eat like beef this way in our house? And they're like, it's yeah. Dangerous. I'm like, according to like, whom? Says who? I remember the first time I ordered yeah. a, a, a medium steak in front of my mom. She was like, oh my god, Richie, are you going to be okay, Richie? I was like, what are we talking about right yeah. now? <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's still, it's, and you know what's funny? It's still that way with my mom. And my dad, my dad's a little bit more flex on it. Like my dad's like, all right, cool word. But like my mom's like, dude, you're going to die. <laughs> I'm like, mom, I'm not going to die. I know. Like, uh, I do have one more question about like, um, uh, about burger show. Cause you've, you've talked to some really amazing people on that show. Like, are you ever surprised yeah. by, by celebrities and, and their taste? Like I was watching the episode where, uh, in Jersey city where he went to that small diner. It was like yeah. such an awesome spot. Like I, I've driven. Yeah, I, I've driven by, by that road before, but I've never stopped there. I'm like, yo, this yeah. is this dope that Alvin's shining a light on this spot. And, you know, Padma Lakshmi's yeah. talking about her love of diner burgers. Like, that's pretty wild. But Or I, or or even like Marshawn oh, yeah. Lynch um, talking about how, <laughs> yeah, example. not loving a $1,200 <laughs> burger, equating it to, uh, no. to an old couch. With with truffles, like, are you ever yeah. surprised? Like, what's the most surprising reactions that you've seen? Oh, dude. Well, Marshawn definitely is the number one top dog when it comes. Oh, he's to so all amazing that because it's like, yo, man, you've made like hundreds of millions of dollars playing, you know, playing football, and never once were you like, yo, you know, I'm gonna try truffle <laughs> on my shit. Like, he he, like he, dude, you know, I, now me and him are like boys. And like when we hang out, we're eating hot wings, man. Like, like, and and not like at any any hot like not like at a, a like a, a nice hot wing joint. Like I'm talking about like he'll like take me to like a seedy ass <laughs> bar in, in 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 Oakland, and like we'll just we'll eat like you know hot wings or whatever. Like he he's that dude. Like he, like money did not change the guy, and so like like he was definitely one of the dudes where like you're like wow okay cool like respect like yeah like you are who you are you come from where you come from and and for me it was kind of like a challenge accepted i'm gonna like we're gonna talk through this and we're gonna like talk about this in the way you know how to talk about it but there's definitely some there's definitely some uh some celebrities or even like food people that i know that really are their their palates are are pretty awful <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> like you know what I mean like I remember hosting um we did a burger competition literally like to crown the best burger in all of Los Angeles and you know I, I invited Seth Rogen to be one of the judges oh, yeah. with me what, and, what was know, this thing Seth, like, like uh, he, big patties like he, are for shitheads <laughs> that was this thing yeah yeah thick thick patties, thick are, for patties are for dickheads um and, yeah and and so like I'm I'm like standing there with him on stage and he's just like, yo, Alvin, I don't know half the shit that's in this stuff. Like, 
you got to walk me through every single one of these burgers. And sure enough, man, like uh, I spent an hour and a half with Seth Rogen teaching him about yeah. different ingredients and why they, why they should taste good and why they shouldn't taste good. Um, and, and you know, that, that's just like, then you have like certain dudes that just like, like, or like, like certain guests who are like Padma Lakshmi or um, like, like uh, Elijah Wood who are like, just like seasoned foodies. Like they like, you know what I mean? Like they, they grow like shiitake mushrooms in like their hydroponic garden in right. their house. You know, like it's just, it's like, it's so weird. It's so weird. Um, I remember my first ever kitchen was like a commissary kitchen for red cameras. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's like because a red cameras, like, like actual a company that like, makes red cameras. Yeah. 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 Red cameras. Uh, so J- Jim Chenard, who founded Oakley, um, is also the founder of red cameras. Oh, wow. That's And he insane. bought a movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, he, dude, he was just like a, uh, he was like a video, like camera, like freak. Like he like, just like he, like he made a cat, like the first ever red camera was made out of, like he was telling me this, it was made out of a child's shoebox and a Panasonic, like a, a Panasonic camcorder that he took apart and put like, like just changed things around. And, and that's how, that's what the red camera became. But um, for two and a half years, I cooked for the man because he let me use the movie lot as my commissary kitchen for the food truck. And that dude, like his palate was like of a 14 year old. Like, like I would make him crunchy tacos with ground beef. I would make him like burgers, no vegetables. <laughs> like he loved ketchup. Like every day, like he it just like it like I like I had like he like ended up like like dating someone new and she like made me make him like oatmeal. <laughs> and like he never ate oatmeal. You know what I mean? It's just like, yo, man, this dude is like one of the like richest men in the yeah, world. Mad simple. And like he, yeah, his food, like his intake is like super simple. Like, he does like to them it's just like right. sustenance, I guess. Like it's like they don't crave stuff, like they they have other things right. going on and i'm like man i didn't even know people like that existed being filipino like you know like there's a word for us like it's called takao right like that's what we are like in tagalog it's like takao means like ravenous or very hungry or like you know like and like like they like i'm learning that a lot of people don't have that same like wants or hunger mm, right like you hear stories about tim cook just eating protein bars all day and not, you know, like, yeah, I, I, yeah it's same thing. Like I, I don't have the most sophisticated palate. I'll be the first one to admit that, but also, you know, I food to me is an enjoyable experience. I'd want to be able to enjoy within a communal energy. Yeah. Know? Yeah. It, it. Yeah. That's super Filipino. Yeah, family style. exactly. Like, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, dude, it, it's a trip. It's a, like, 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 again, like this trip, like being Filipino American, like in a bubble, like growing up, like, you know, obviously I was like first generation Filipino American, but I grew up in like first generation Mexican American neighborhood where we had a lot of similarities yeah. growing up, but at the same time, like we were very food focused and like, you know, none of us gave, gave a fuck about like how we looked. It was all about like, you know, like 
you know, oh man, I want a burrito or I want to like, you know, I want a taco or I want like pizza or a burger. Like that was like, that's like, like gave yeah. us joy to like, like learning about like other cultures and how like their diets are like X, Y, Z and like how Gen Z or yeah, Gen Z like prefers to order off of online and nine times out of 10, they're ordering acai bowls and and smoothies and not junk food it's like <laughs> what <laughs> like i'm learning about this like all this stuff like every single day it's like something uh, what food trends are you looking out for right now like what what do you think is coming up that's going to be popping off in 2023 and beyond um you know what it, it, it's it's crazy to, to to talk about um food trends especially when it comes to like filipino food because like uh, like, like I think in, in Filipino food in itself, I think the Filipino mm. dessert world is oh. about to pop off. Like we have like a get that hollow hollow card um, out here. Hollow uh, hollow, the binka, kuchinta, like puto bongbo, like all this stuff. Um, and, and, and you know what's funny is like I think Joe Corey just started joking about it because like the names of some of our like desserts are like offensive to other uh, to Spanish people. And most like like puto <laughs> is like. Well, it's like th- that's you know one. what I mean, yeah. and like, <laughs> yeah, puto mamon, like all that stuff is like, it, you, you know, what I mean? so I'm like, we learned so, it from you, Dad. I, I think in, in the Phil- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, and then I think that like when it comes to like Asian food in general, I think Cambodian food is starting mm. to like, like get real popping. Like Cambodian food, Indonesian food, um, just totally, totally taking off. And then I think. Uh, food trend wise, I think like the infatuation of salmon is gonna die. Infatuation with salmon. Um, Talk about that. What does that mean? Yeah, um, I just think that like I've been noticing a lot lately that a lot of Instagram food people or TikTok food people clown on huh. salmon. Like they're just like salmon is the most basic shit on earth. Like it doesn't even taste good. Like. And so that said, I, I'm happy they don't for like those uh, essential fats. So better fish out <laughs> no, there. The, the health benefits of <laughs> yeah. salmon. Yeah, the health benefits. Yeah, exactly. Like they, you know, they're over it. I think. I think uh, as far as like, uh, like when it comes to like foodies yeah. and like people who are into like, 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 like other new adventurous things, I think salmon is on its way out, um, be, purely because of just what I've been looking at. Um, as far as like what 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 the internet chefs are doing um and yeah dude i mean obviously like dry aging is going to be the next best thing uh there's already you have cats out here dry aging fish mm. so uh i think dry aging is another food trend right. that's going to be huge in household once people and, learn and how dry to, aging like, was uh that's always been so, like a new york thing kind of right yeah yeah the funky blue cheese steaks like that wasn't hot out here in LA. Like I, I have a, I have a, I have a dry aged burger right now um, on my menu and it's, it's, it's selling really well. Um, but I remember having a dry aged uh, burger in my restaurant in 2014 and I couldn't sell Damn. it to save my life. So I think, I think we're starting to learn from, from the East coast uh, about pr- food preservation um, so yeah, I think, I think that that's kind of where we lie, uh, uh, in trendy food, so to speak, at least for the next 
two or three. I years. got a couple of questions, some quick hits, if you will. I've been trying to do this more in this podcast, okay. just to like you know try to get some energy uh, at the end, uh, and also kind of like throw <laughs> some uh, you know surprises. So okay, if artificial intelligence, because there's like AI art is like a massive thing right now, but if if there was going to be an AI created mm -hmm. burger. Where would AI yeah. be pulling the best inspiration from? Like top three insp inspos. Uh, do you believe it or not? There's already a, an AI operated burger restaurant. Oh, really? Um, in San in San Francisco called Creator. Um, and believe it or not, like they they are grinding the meat to order. Um, and then searing it to order, cutting all the vegetables to order. Like they have, it's a conveyor belt and it's, 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 it's wild, bro. Like I actually on the burger show, I raced, I, I, I like raced one and it beat. Holy shit. <laughs> and, yeah, dude. It, it's like, it, it's gonna, it, it made a burger that was arguably a cross between In-N-Out and Shake Shack. It was very San Francisco because it was using a brioche bun use a thousand island dressing um and it was a thicker patty but just on sheer like yeah. calculation it was it was a it was a pretty impressive burger but taste it, it wasn't there for me it, like it, it was lacking um i feel like if you're not seasoning it yeah. yourself like you know what i mean like it just isn't the same so it, like it is the assembly um, yeah. line all um automated like is it literally just a machine cooking the patty and yeah placing a, all the layers yeah it's like a long line it's like a 10 foot line and there's tubes and each tube has like um cube steak um tomatoes onions lettuce and then it would like on the bottom of the tube was like a slicer and like it, like once the meat was ground it was seared both sides and then a, a cut of tomato would land on top a cut of onion lettuce and then it would go down the line and then within like i think it was like six minutes it was done but the taste wasn't there supposedly and the, and the, the taste wasn't there but you know it was basically an emoji burger it like it looked like it was like the burger yeah, emoji. Crazy. <laughs> um, spam or corned beef? Spam all day. Uh, breakfast <laughs> in the morning or breakfast at night? Oh damn, that's so good. Uh, considering I'm like I I I I I'm not like up for breakfast most of the days. Uh, I definitely eat my sea logs at night. Um, I'm definitely one of those dudes who will make a fried egg rice and spam like Damn, drunk as hell that in, so in my right kitchen <laughs> um <laughs> shake shack or in and out uh i'm gonna go in, i'm gonna go in and out uh purely because it's cheaper and the quality is is pretty parallel so um that and they're like vertically integrated like they have their own ranch and okay. i can i can go on but also I'm also the first to admit that it's not the best burger in the world. <laughs> like, but I, you know, to me, it's like, it's like first dates. It's, it's more yeah. than just a burger. It's like good grades. It's like, you know, hitting a home run at little league. Like that, that's what you got, you got after, right, right. you know? So it, it's a, it's a lot more. I was trying to chase that experience. Like every time I'd go to the West coast, I'd always try to hit up in and out, get a t-shirt, 
of like just a rack of random in and out t-shirts you know do do yeah. the whole thing always trying to chase that first experience uh sesame oh potato bun or a sesame seed bun oh yeah i'm i'm gonna go like honestly like i will go for the potato bun um because i love it but definitely not martin's potato roll fair uh runny egg or double patty Oh, what yeah, would I choose? Damn, you know, I'm a double cheeseburger guy. And I hate when there's a, a egg in my burger because it gets oh, all over Oh, you don't like place. eggs in your burger? Oh, that's interesting. I, I, Yeah, well, it matters how the egg's cooked. If it's like bodega style, I'm down. But like the way we do it at Eggs, when, 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 when I first started making burgers with eggs in it, I remember this dude fresh out of law school. It was like his first ever like hearing. And he was like decked out, like, you know, suit and shit. He orders a, he orders a burger. And like, as soon as he bites into it, the fucking yolk <laughs> just like splatters oh, all over his tie. Unprofessional. Yeah. So he goes, he go, he like, he like, he's pissed. I feel bad, but he, he like, he's like a regular. And he goes to the court, argue, does his argument comes back the next day and was like yo man like i had to argue like uh, some like weird i forgot what kind of morbid fucking like thing happened a murderer went <laughs> free fucking... because egg spilled on my suit <laughs> with egg yolk all over his fucking suit and like this dude just like was like trying to prove himself in his law firm it, 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 it's super funny so yeah long story short Double double burger for sure. Um, I'll save the egg for like a, a really when I you know like maybe drunk day. But Whopper or Big Mac on the regs. Ooh, yeah, Whopper damn. or Big Mac. Oh man, you know what? I'm gonna go with Whopper. Uh, I, I for there's for some reason the Whopper with mayo and cheese hits different like the tomato blends with like yeah. the mayo and like it just has like this really like i haven't had it in a while but i think i'm gonna go i think whopper the advantage that. the whopper has over a big mac is the circumference right it's like yeah it's big, yeah, it's big. The big mac's like that that double stack but you don't need the bread in it. it's like nah you don't need yeah. the metal the the middle bread like it's it's, a, yeah. it's an illusion but the mayo really does make the whopper i agree all right, yeah. so last one. Who makes better adobo, you or your mom? Oh, dog. <laughs> Me, hands down. My, my oh, mom she doesn't? Oh, okay. Cook. Bro, my mom... No. My, my Okay, so if it was me versus my dad, it'd oh, probably be my dad. interesting. Because, yeah, because he makes, like, the lip-smacking ones, like, the ones where, like, when you eat it, your lips, like, get stuck together because of, like, all the <laughs> collagen. But my, but my mom is literally burnt water. Like, my mom has, like, is notorious for, like, you know, boiling water for tea and leaving it on the stove and forgetting about it. My mom, my one day, my mom literally put a, a, a pot of water on for her tea, forgot about it, left the <laughs> house to the point where the fire alarm went off. Like all of the fire trucks showed up to my mom's house. My mom pulls up and she's like, what happened? And like, someone left the pot of water on and like, like the, the pot was burnt. And I'm like, mom, like it's a joke. People say like you like I can't cook. I, I'll burn water. She literally <laughs> did that. <laughs> Damn. Well, shout out to mom anyway. That's what's, that's what's up.
Yeah, she, my dog. I love, yo, I love my mom. She she's the best like restaurant like patron. She like loves taking me out to yeah. eat. You know what I mean? So I was like, shout, shout out to Mom Dukes for that because my dad is definitely way too too cheap to to take me out. Yo, Alvin, <laughs> this has been mad fun, dude. Thank you so much for jumping on, man. Of course, of course. Me. yeah. I mean, I'm glad to be the 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 the, the yearly rap and like the the lonely <laughs> Filipino this season. The lonely Filipino. <laughs> Yo, well, um, what what do you have coming up next? Like, what's happening in 2023 for you? I I know that we have some mutual friends. Um. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if there's anything we can talk about. I, I so I, I, I mean, I just we just spent three weeks in the Philippines. I filmed all of it. So I'm definitely going to put something together with that. Um, we got the burger, like burger show coming out during burger month. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much all that we have in, uh, on the wraps. I'm trying to make my way back to the East coast somehow. Um, so look out for like, maybe, maybe an Amboy out there. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, dude, like really just, you'll see a lot of me rocking the Filipino flag this year. Uh, probably infinity and beyond man like it's like it's that time where like i just feel like that that that's kind of like the hat that i'm gonna wear now um because like uh i've just been well received well on both sides like, and yeah. that's rare like being able to to be loved in the philippines and be loved in america as a filipino um i'm gonna own it and i'm gonna be proud of it and and, and hopefully do everybody proud that's what's up uh, tell all of our listeners where they can find you, although they can find you pretty much everywhere. <laughs> yeah, easy. I made it easy for everybody at Alvin Kailan on all platforms. Super easy. Um, and I, I am active on there. So if you do DM me, I will DM you back. And if not, you probably came at me <laughs> sideways. So <laughs> check yourself. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks for having me on, man. That was great. I'm so glad we Likewise. got to hang out. I mean, it, I've been a fan of your stuff for. Oh, for appreciate so long, that, brother. Man. Like, I just every time I see a vibrant any type of campaign, I'm like, yeah, oh, that rich is a part <laughs> I'm, of it. I'm trying. I'm trying, <laughs> so, dude. Like, same thing. It's like I'm, I'm really trying to hold it down, be louder about being Filipino and also owning it with pride, and also kind of creating, um, uh, creating like some sort of like beacon for people like us who look like us to to know what what's even yeah. possible out there yeah dude i'd love to let's do, do something it. with you man let's work together absolutely let's do next time you're on the east coast let's get For up sure. irl and next when i'm in the west coast i'll hit you up done alvin Kalan, thank you so much appreciate you brother thank you thanks for having me peace what a dope way to end the season season eight we did it y'all uh, we're going to have a shorter break between season eight and season nine this time. So we're going to have season nine still happen in 2023, but uh, we're just going to, you know, take a little bit of break and uh, try to refresh the battery cells. But that said, thank you for listening this season. It's been absolutely amazing. Shout out to all of you. And you can find the First Generation Burden podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcast content. Please rate us and drop a review. It helps the algorithm. Go to firstgenburden.com for all the episodes, all 82 episodes. Absolutely wild. 100 is in the vision. We are almost there. On Instagram, we're at firstgenburden. And you can find me, your host, at rich underscore tu on most social media platforms. 
thanks to Timothy Simonson for production all this season. Shout out to Gym Class Heroes. Uh, thanks to the Des Gin team for their support. Thanks to Eugenia Mella who illustrated our cover art. Thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in all season long. We're usually dropping on Mondays. We're going to take a break, like I said, but we will be back soon. Be safe, everyone. Bye.